Hey, what is up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. This is Xbox Ultimate, episode number three. Um, we got lots to talk about this week. Again, this is only episode number three, so we're just getting started with this thing here. I'm going to talk about all Xbox stuff every week, and it's going to keep coming. It's going to keep coming. So uh, tune in. You can catch me on uh, Twitter at Fun Speculation, YouTube at Fun Speculation. Uh, where you can see a video of this podcast actually on there. Um, this is on all major uh, podcasting platforms pretty much at this point. So uh, like I said, we're just going to keep this going. Um, I appreciate you uh, actually taking the time to check this out. Uh, lots of Xbox talk on this podcast. Uh, I like talking video games. I like talking about Xbox. Huge Xbox fan. Have been for a long time. Um, so let's get started with this week. And what I like to get started with now is, uh, maybe something fun to speculate about, you know, that is my uh, Twitter handle and everything. So, um, something fun to speculate about this week. I wanted to talk about, uh, Microsoft acquisition because there's been quite a bit of rumor, uh, with some of Phil Spencer's comments at, uh, um, in the past over the last couple of weeks where he's been alluding to some big announcements game pass related. Also, uh, Microsoft had some financial, uh, stuff come out where they're talking to investors and they actually made a point to notate that, um, acquisitions for game pass was something still, um, being looked into greatly. So I want to talk about some studios. Maybe that would be pretty cool, you know, uh, for them to invest in. So, uh, when we go and think about this, you know, we know WB Games is kind of maybe off the table at this point. They've said they're not going to sell. They've talked about you know consolidating their teams and stuff like that. So may, maybe something there is on the table, but there's one studio that I think would be absolutely perfect. One studio that has a history with Microsoft a history with Microsoft's biggest franchise. A studio that recently, in the last year, has severed ties with another publisher that they had to deal with. Somebody that maybe has made a recent move with Game Pass and Microsoft to promote one of their products. Maybe that could mean something is in the works behind the scenes. We don't know yet. We don't know right now. But if it happened, if Bungie became a Microsoft studio once again, it could become the number one developer in Xbox Game Studios right away. Think about the possibilities here. All of a sudden, Microsoft would acquire Destiny. Microsoft would acquire Bungie. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that 343 would be taken off of Halo. At that point, Microsoft would have Halo and Destiny. Those are kind of similar in a lot of ways, right? 
At that point, I think it would make sense to keep developing and supporting on what Destiny has built. But also, it would make sense to have Bungie help with Halo. You can't... It's been uh, five years since the last major Halo game, okay? Halo is too important and too big to go that long between major releases. But at... The scope of these games is too big for one studio. You need more than one studio working on Halo. You know, you look at what Activision did with Call of Duty. Now, that's not necessarily what I have in mind for Halo. But we've seen what happened with this launch with Halo getting delayed. That now Microsoft doesn't really even have anything else first party at launch. They have exclusives third-party exclusives, they have other great games, and it's still going to be the best place to play because it's going to be the most powerful console. But they are lacking in first-party exclusive games at the launch of the console. That is one of the reasons why they've acquired all these studios recently, and that's why they're going to continue to invest because they want to invest not only in that, but they want to invest in Game Pass. Game Pass is the next-gen platform Series X is just the top device to play that platform. Bungie could also make Halo games. They could also work on Destiny and keep supporting that game. They could also create something brand new. The reason that Bungie originally wanted to separate from Microsoft, a lot of people have speculated in the past, and that a lot of the developers have said, is that they wanted to be able to create something new, but Microsoft needed them to make Halo. Well, it turns out they, they was kind of true. They did need Bungie to make Halo, because 343, even though as, as good as they've been, they're still not Bungie. And they've dropped the ball again at the launch of the Series X. Now, a lot of things are stacked against them, and I do like their vision on where they're going with Halo Infinite. Um, but there is a lack of confidence that a lot of people have in them. You see the quality of games that Bungie puts out. The quality of their game is never questioned. Um, I would love to see what that what a twenty twenty five Halo game would look like made by Bungie. That would be insane. What if every two or three years we got a great Halo experience split up between 343 and Bungie and there was more variations on what a Halo game meant, more different variations on the genres. Um, for as big of an IP as Halo is, as big of a product it is, it hasn't been handled well in recent years. So that would be my thing that I, that's what I'm speculating. That's my fun speculation. That's my fun thing. That's the thing that I would like to see happen. Um, you know, there's it's possible. You know, they they have a history there. Um, Destiny Two has made made its way to Game Pass. Um, we, you have new content dropping for Destiny Two. That's going to be on Game Pass Day One. There could be something happening uh, behind the scenes here, guys. 
So uh, we'll see, you know, but uh, transitioning from that, going kind of into Halo now, and this is going into some of our main topics here. Um, By the way, we're going to be talking about Fortnite, Apple, Google. We're going to be talking about all the games coming out soon. Uh, We're going to be talking about um, some other stuff too, but uh, going into Halo here. You know, Xbox launching the console without Halo. This was going to be the first uh, console to launch with Halo since the first Xbox. And now they don't have that. And uh, because they put so much on the table with Halo, when that's delayed, now they don't have anything else. This is bad foresight by Microsoft and Xbox to not have as many games in development. Now, they didn't have all these first-party studios. They had... Um, always been a kind of making third party deals type type uh, company, and they kind of got away from that with Phil Spencer, and then they haven't acquired all the studios yet, so they kind of had been in a transition phase. So we're a few years away from seeing all these next gen exclusive games come out uh, that are first party. Um, but it would have been nice to see them maybe invest in some, you know, fund some third party projects to to bolster that launch lineup, maybe you know, have a something else interesting, you know, just something else besides just what they were banking on, which was Halo, you know, because when you put all your chips in one basket and then it, and then you, you move that basket away, it leaves people wanting a little bit more now, but what does it look like without Halo? Well, it looks pretty good now, not first party, all the first party stuff this year is coming out before launch of the Series X. So, you know, you got Battletoads coming out um I think next week or within a, within a few days Battletoads is coming out. You got Flight Simulator. You have Gears Tactics. Um just all of these you know, releases that are coming out. Not, And I'm not just talking about first-party games here. Uh, there is a list of stuff that is coming out that I'm going to kind of go through right now. And I want everybody to really think about how much stuff we're going to have to play and the fact that the Series X is going to be the best place to play these games. Cyberpunk. That's the big one. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's a big one. Outriders. That's gonna that look game looks pretty cool. Um the Avengers. Uh the Kingdoms of Amalar remaster. Uh that game was awesome if you know, if nobody's ever played it. Um that game has a really interesting history also. Um We'll maybe go into the history of that game in a different episode, but uh, people in Rhode Island know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, Tony Hawk. Real soon. The Medium. That's an exclusive. A launch exclusive. Uh, and that game looks good. You know, I, we don't know how great it's going to be. And that studio that is making that game has also been a studio that people have been saying, 
hey, maybe Microsoft could get those guys because they're starting to develop a little bit of a uh, history and a rapport with Xbox with making their games on the Xbox platform and on Game Pass. So that would maybe be a good fit, Bloober Team. Um, we'll see how good that game is. You know, it looks really interesting. Um, there's The Ascent, and they highlighted that game at the uh, original ga- game showcase, the third-party games showcase they had back in May. Um, Watch Dogs Legion, that's a big one. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons. I mean, there's just so many games. Not to mention the yearly-type games, you know, like Madden and NBA and a possible Call of Duty release and um, all all of that stuff. So we got Battletoads, Dirt 5, um, Mafia Definitive Edition that looks really cool, and, you know, Crash 4, um, Yakuza Like a Dragon, um, all these games, and all of them are going to play best on Series X. Who has time for all of that? I know I don't. So is it okay that Halo was delayed? If you look at everything coming out, yes, it's okay. It still hurts because all of us were really excited. Anybody that's a Halo fan was really excited. But, you know, that's what it looks like this year on Xbox without Halo. You know, we don't have a Forza. You know, we don't have any of these other major big-time first-party games coming out. But, you know, we'll see uh, next year and the year after that. It's going to start to increase. These these releases are going to start to be where we're going to have two or three of these major first-party games release every year. And uh, that's where Xbox is heading. And not only that, but they're all going to be on Game Pass day one. So the value there is crazy. Um, Get excited for that, guys. You know, it's just such a good time for video games. Such a good time for Xbox. If you're a PlayStation fan, it's such an amazing time with all these games coming out. Uh, so much to do, so much to play. Um, so with talking about Halo and Game Pass, you know, there's xCloud. xCloud is going to provide people all of those ways of playing those games on different devices and things. And I've just been trying out the beta. It's pretty cool. You know, it's it's not perfect yet, but the, the technology is pretty awesome. Now, you bolster that with 5G coming out. You bolster that with the technology for the cloud streaming. is just going to keep improving and getting better. The future of this platform is insane. Uh, people just aren't ready, you know, for what it could possibly be in the, in the coming years. You, four years from now, imagine. It's, it's, it's just going to be the norm, you know. It's going to be the norm to be able to play a game like Cyberpunk 2077 on your uh, tablet or phone and it have a really good experience. So, you know, that's, that's crazy. Now companies right now getting into this next topic are putting restrictions in place, you know, that are preventing us from being able to do things like that, or they've had these restrictions in place yet, but they're not removing them. And all these topics I've kind of gotten into a little bit on some of my YouTube videos. Um, But it's really interesting to look at Apple and their policies and, you know, not allowing these uh, services to be run on their platform. And it's anti-competitive and it's basically taking the ability for um, innovation and 
uh, things to move forward because they want control of of everything that happens on their platform. They don't want uh, they want to be able to review and rate every game. They want to be able to sell all the games that are played on their platform through their own subscription or through their own in-store purchases. Even though some other, you know, apps and things don't have to meet those same guidelines. So, you know, it's, they're, because it's such a big industry, they're trying to put a stranglehold on what happens there and companies are battling against it. And we saw this with Fortnite. Um, you know, we saw Tim Sweeney from Epic, uh, over the last week or two, make uh, quite a few, uh, tweets, um, about Apple and, you know, about the goings on like with Xbox and, and, uh, being restricted and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he, he's a CEO of a company that's been growing like crazy, you know, um, Epic is today so different even than it was just a few years ago. So they're the makers of the number one game in the world, pretty much. You know, and let, maybe there's something I'm not don't even think about in other countries or something. You know, but a Fortnite is massive. Okay, so he holds a lot of weight with with these things. In fact, he kind of bullied PlayStation into the whole crossplay. So what they did here is Epic went and they undercut Apple in their in-store on the App Store uh, through their own in-store purchase method, okay? So you could go and you could pay Epic directly and not have to pay the extra tw- uh 20 or 30% or whatever it is that Apple gets. Okay. So if you buy it through Apple directly, you pay more. Or if you buy it through Epic directly, you pay less. Okay. So that's what they're trying to do is put a spotlight on it. And Apple doesn't like that. And Apple removed Fortnite from their app store, which is crazy. Um, it was anticipated. They knew that this was going to happen when they did this, when they when they put those prices out. Uh, they knew what Apple was going to do. They had this whole video even prepared ahead of time, um, in an in-game engine type video made as a parody of their 1984 commercial. You know, um, they had legal stuff already ready to go to to file suit against Apple. And they did that. And yesterday when I made a video about this all, it was before Google actually did the same thing. Because they didn't just do it to Apple, they did it to Google. You know, and Google is also being uh, blocked out of the Apple Store for Stadia. So there's like a triangle of battles going on right now. You know, Apple's blocking Google Stadia, blocking xCloud. You know, so you have Apple, Google, Microsoft all really not getting along that great right now, okay? Google is allowing xCloud on their platform, on the Android devices. But they're cutting out Epic, right? 
Um, so I think Google and Microsoft are kind of okay right now, even though they have competing platforms with Stadia and xCloud. I think they both want to see game streaming go to the next level, and they're on the same page there. Um, Epic wants their games to not be restricted by um, a monopoly storefront. You know, they want control over their purchases, and they don't want uh, a place like Apple to be able to block you know, everything from happening on the, on their platform. So it's, it's really interesting. You got this triangle of dynamics going on and all these companies are battling over a pie. So if you have, you know, let's say something sells for 10 bucks and there's a 30% profit there. Okay. There's a 30% profit margin. And so that's $3 out of that $10 sell. Everybody's fighting over that three bucks right now. You know, who gets it? Who's, who does it belong to? Can we provide it as a discount back to the consumers and make them only play set, pay seven? That's what Epic was trying to do on the uh, on their side because they already make profit in the other seven, right? Um, they don't think it's fair that their consumers should have to pay more just to buy it through Apple, right? Um, so there's that side, then there's the side of the devices where, Hey, this is our platform. We were allowing, we're providing you the customers, right? So therefore we should get that cut and they want 30%. Then you have uh, companies like Microsoft where they already have their own storefront, their own, uh, platform, their own devices. And they're trying to allow you access to their platform through another platform. And Apple doesn't like that. So, you know, it's interesting how this is all going to play out with the new digital age happening with games. This is bound to happen at some point where you're going to have these uh, billionaire companies and trillionaire companies start duking it out over uh, consumer rights, digital distribution methods, uh, who, who gets what part of the pie, all that kind of stuff. So, that's what we're seeing right now. And, you know, Epic is kind of leading the charge with this because they know that they have the most influence with um, the to consumer. They have the easiest way of providing a message um, to people that, hey, this is something that you love, but now you don't get it because, because of this, right? So you, you had Fortnite. Now you don't have it, and it's because of the of this. So they're going to put pressure using that on these larger companies to get that changed, and we'll see what kind of ramifications that has. I don't know, you know, exactly 100%. I'm not smart enough to know 100% which one's right. My heart leans towards Epic and what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to make a difference that will help other developers in the future. The other people from not being restricted and uh, being able to have um, a more open platform for everybody. So, you know, there's always an upside and a downside to everything. I think if Epic wins this battle, the upside is greater than the down. So that's who I'm personally rooting for. 
I think ultimately if Apple is just going to keep fighting this game, it's a game they're going to lose because you don't you don't fight a battle against video games and win. You know, they're they're trying to push their Apple Arcade and they want to keep that and they want to present that as the only option really for subscription service on their platform for gaming. And I don't think I don't think that's going to fly with people as as things keep changing with technology. So um let's hope that you know things change with that because you know I wanted to play games on my iPad and my iPhone that I already bought on my Microsoft devices. You know, um I would like in the future if Sony puts their exclusive games day one on their PlayStation Now platform for that to be an option as well. Talk about a kill shot. If Sony actually did that and made all of their games exclusive day their exclusive games day one available on PlayStation Now and put everything on there. Um even if you sell it like for fourteen ninety nine like Xbox is doing, you make that make a deal with Apple. <laughs> if Sony made a deal with Apple or something like that, you know? Yeah, I don't know how Microsoft would, could uh, compete with that, you know, just because of the amount of exclusive games they've had in recent years. You know, in coming years, it's not going to be a problem because in the coming years, two or three years from now, you know, we're going to have all those exclusive games on Xbox that everybody's going to be jealous of, you know, but it's just been a dry spell, right? Uh, it's been a dry spell of first party. So, you know, I think it's uh, definitely things are going in the right direction right now for gaming. Um, and it's exciting to see. So, you know, it, we talked about all those games. You know, we talk about what xCloud could mean, uh, what Game Pass means. You know, there's so many games, again, that's coming as mind-blowing. You know, we had all of that... Um, Game showcase was 22 games, you know. Um, all of those are coming to Game Pass. It's, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, interesting thing was is that all of those games I'm talking about, pretty much that I've been talking about, will be available this ho- this holiday, really, and around the launch of the Series X. The Series X could have possibly just had a leak on their reveal uh, of their launch date. So Series X had a bunch of controllers out in the wild, okay? And which is crazy to have an accessory to a device, a major consumer device that is releasing this holiday, months away from release. Accessories are in people's hands showing up on the internet boxes of this of these accessories as controllers people have the warranty documents all over the internet but there is no re- reveal of a, a price or a launch date for the console but because people have these devices it is speculated that the Release date of the Series X is November the 6th. So if the console comes out November the 6th, I anticipate 
there is going to be two weeks maybe without the PlayStation 5. So I think that Series X is going to have a little bit of a head start because that's pretty early in November, okay? I think PlayStation might come out a little bit more mid-November. So you may have like a, a maybe a week or two week head start there on PlayStation. Personally, I want to see them come out on the same day. I don't think it's going to happen, but if they do get that head start, that's going to help them a little bit because people are going to get a chance to experience that. Um, a lot of talk go on the internet about how well the ga- games are performing on that device with how smooth it is. What, something I wanted to talk about is what Phil Spencer said on Gary Wood's Animal Talking Show. So Gary Wood, uh, he does X-Cast on Kind of Funny uh, right now. It's the new Xbox podcast over there. I uh, would advise everybody to check it out. It's a good show. And he also has this Animal Talking uh, show. It's like a, it's kind of like a t- the Tonight Show, right? But it's set in Animal Crossing world, and he has special guests on. So... In this uh, yesterday, uh, he had Phil Spencer on, or was it the day before yesterday? I can't remember, but it was this week. He had Phil Spencer on, and Phil Spencer was talking about um, how he has a Series X in his house that he he actually goes in, he gets um, he gets a retail version of the series X. So that way they can test the at home consumer experience. So he goes off to a TV that's like in a different room that he's not used, that he doesn't already have an Xbox hooked up in. He takes it out of the box to see what that's like. He hooks it up. He boots it up for the first time because he wants to get that whole experience. And he said other members of the team do this as well. It's part of their, part of their, uh, process because they want to ensure a great consumer experience so he does that and he has this xbox and what he kept he kept mentioning this is that you know with how how these games show on like the game showcase and how they talk about them and how they are on these videos and stuff they don't really do next gen justice because next gen devices they're um more than they look great, the games look great, and then we're going to see even better-looking games two years from now and three years from now as these developers get used to the hardware and these games that are early in development get made. But he said it's the feeling. The feeling of the console. He said it's the feeling of playing the games, of using the interface, of going between games... The feelings of the load times being like uh, way lower, if, if not existent at all in some games. The frames per second difference on the games. And it, it can't come across on TV when you're just watching stuff. And he said it's hard to go back. Now, if you ever had a next-gen experience before, you know, going back in the day. Now, I think this is going to be different than the last generational crossover. Because to be honest with you, going from the original Xbox One, not the OG Xbox, but the Xbox One, the, when it came out in 2013, 
and the PlayStation 4 when they came out in 2013. Going from PlayStation 3 and 360 to those, it was a leap, you know? But it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't mind-blowing. It wasn't just, I've never experienced anything like this before, you know? We had those experiences back in the day. I remember when Nintendo 64 came out and the PlayStation came out. And it was like, holy crap, this is what games look like now? This is possible? It looks so real. And you look back at those games now and they look like trash, right? Like, But you know what I mean? Like, you put that in for the first time and it's mind-blowing. And a lot of people that are my age or older or some some even younger have have those memories and that experience of, you know, getting that console and putting it in and seeing, like, this... Back in the day, we didn't talk about teraflops you know we talked about 8 bit to 6 to 16 bit and that's 30 32 64 you know at some point you had to stop counting the bits um but each one of those jumps was transformative in the experiences that you could get and when they first put games on disc with the playstation and you know, you had all these different devices come out. There's like 10 different devices all at once that tried to come out and take some some market share. And they all failed, you know, except for the PlayStation. And um, it was just a crazy time, you know, uh, in gaming. And you saw that, that massive leap. This graphically, we're probably never going to experience that graphically again. That massive, huge leap. Right now, if I go back right now and play a launch Xbox One game or a launch PlayStation 4 game and compare it to like Ghost of Tsushima that just came out now recently, it's like holy crap. You know, like, this is... It looks like a generational leap right there. You know, and that's within the same generation. You know, you don't even have to have the 1X or the PS4 Pro to see how much better those games look than the original launch games, okay? So we have continuous growth within the generation now on games improving and looking better. To where now that when the... Series X and the PS5 come out, you know, you're going to see differences. You're going to see ray tracing. You're going to see higher frame rates, you know. But you're not going to be like, this wasn't possible before, you know, for for this to look like this. You know, like, character models and stuff are three-dimensional. You've got 3D environments with huge worlds and buildings and stuff like that before. So... Visually, things are going to keep steadily improving as technology gets better. And they're going to keep getting better, and the games are going to keep getting better. And this new hardware is going to allow the next seven years of innovation to happen within that. Okay? So, seven years from now, when you're playing whatever the biggest, best release is that holiday, compared to what launches this year it's going to be completely different you're going to see a generational gap within that itself 
But the feeling and the speed is something we're going to notice. And I think because of that, because of that feeling of the console that Phil Spencer's talking about, we're going to notice the biggest difference in gaming that we've seen since the jump to Xbox, the original Xbox and PlayStation 2 from previous hardware. I think we're going to see massive improvement with the user experience, the user interface. We saw the videos of the Microsoft Store that people have that's in beta. It looks slick. It looks fast. Um, combining that with the hardware for the Series X, I think people are in store for different experience than, they're, than we're expecting. I think this is something you're going to have to hold that controller in your hands. You're going to have to play the games. You're going to have to go through the menus. You're going to have to switch games. You're going to have to play something that runs 120 frames per second on 120 frames on a 120 hertz screen. And I think with all these things combined, you're going to be like, wow. Uh, This is what they were talking about. This is a generational leap, and it's not in a way I expected. It's not resolution. It's not graphics. It's technology. It's it's solid state drives. It's velocity architecture. It's uh, ray tracing. <laughs> I mean, just all these different little things that add up to one massive change. And that's that's next generation of gaming. And PCs, you know, they're to get everything that that you're going to be able to experience on a PlayStation 5 and a and a Series X is going to be pretty pricey, you know? So, you know, for a lot of PC gamers out there that swear by a PC, you know, if you're in the market for a new one, right now I would I would maybe consider getting a console and just hooking it up to my PC monitor until it's more affordable to match the specs. Because you know, these games are going to be designed for these platforms. It's going to be pretty, uh, pretty transformative and pretty crazy. So I'm excited for it. Now, November six, we're going to see that come true, at least according to leaked uh, pictures and documents of the series X and S controller. So, you know, it's something else I wanted to talk about because um, we have this Xbox Ultimate sale right now, which I. I think everybody should check out. Uh, they got some crazy good deals on there. I was going through it. I was realizing. Uh, wow. Game Pass is such a freaking good deal. And I keep talking about this. But, you know, I named this podcast Xbox Ultimate because of Game Pass Ultimate. And I, I just firmly believe that it's the future of gaming and the best deal in gaming. And when I was going through this sale and all these third-party games and everything, and so many of them are on Game Pass, and I was like, wow, I want to buy that. Oh, I already got access to it. Never mind. Red Dead Redemption 2 is on... Well, I already owned that anyway, but, you know, it's on Game Pass. You know, it's... You have all these games available on Game Pass. Um, 
and a lot of them are in, on sale right now to purchase. So if you if you don't subscribe to Game Pass, or even if you want to see what else is there that's not on Game Pass, go to the Xbox Ultimate Sale started today. Uh, I got using Microsoft Rewards, which is another great program you need to sign up for because you just get money back for, you know, you get rewards back for the money you spend. Personally, I always redeem them for Microsoft credit and then put that back and buy more buy, buy more games, right? So using my Microsoft Rewards credit, um, I was able to get uh, Vanquish and Bayonetta bundle that was on sale. Uh, both of those games, it was like less than... It's like twenty bucks or so. Uh, then you had uh, um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which I never had a chance to play through. You know that was uh, like fifteen dollars, I think. Um, and then I also got Bullet Storm, the the newer edition that had Duke Nukem, and it was like four something, four dollars and something. There's, but there was so many massive games. These these are not like crazy ultra popular games, but there were massive games on there. And most of them I either had because of Game Pass or because I'd already purchased already. But check that sale out. But what I was noticing, and I wanted to talk about because this is a gripe, and I hope this doesn't carry over into Next Generation because it can get so confusing. You know, I was looking through the sale, and there's like five editions of the same games. You know, you have Ultimate Edition, Definitive Edition, uh bundle you have bundle versions you know game of the year um because they want to keep making these games fresh to people and have them have a chance to purchase it you know but wow when you're going through and like for me personally i don't necessarily i don't remember if i bought something sometimes because i have a pretty large library of games um and i won't remember did i get that expansion for that game I don't remember if I did, you know, but it doesn't say when you're scrolling through if it was bought because it's a different version. It's in a different bundle, right? So sometimes you'll go through there and you'll see like four versions of a game that you don't even remember if you purchased one of the versions before, but just because the one you purchased isn't vi- isn't visible on the screen, you assume you didn't, you know? So I'm I'm hoping they clear up the storefront a little bit in the, in the next generation um, and not make it to where there's, you know, five or six different edition versions of the same game digitally. Maybe have like, this is the game you click on it. And then there's a drop down that has all the versions that you can buy. That's just a suggestion, you know, um, that's something I would like to see. But wrapping up uh, this podcast for this week, I, I'm going to do this every week. Is I was trying to ask my wife for ideas, you know, because I want to try and have a format to this. So, you know, that's why I kind of started off with the fun speculation thing with Microsoft maybe acquiring Bungie. Then we talked about some of the main topics here, you know, of the week. Um, Halo delay and you know uh Fortnite stuff and you know all these games coming out how many games are coming out that it's mind blowing we're not going to have time to play them all and there's something for everybody there um you know what's it look like at Xbox without Halo you know we have too many versions of the same games i just kind of griped about a little bit 
But so my my ending kind of thing I'm gonna do is I want to have a Game Pass game of the week. So last week I I kind of talked about um, Darksiders Genesis, which I've been streaming this week on Twitch. Um, follow me on Twitch also at Fun Speculation, and uh, maybe you can watch me be horrible at some games. Uh, but the Game Pass game of the week I want to talk about this week is Halo Wars Two. And the reason I'm bringing that one up is because not a lot of people give the Halo Wars games the credit they deserve, and it's a shame because I want to see more of them. But they're both of them are really good games. Um, and without Halo coming out this year, um, give your if you haven't played Halo Wars Two, and you are even maybe possibly a Halo fan, let's say you're a fan of RTS games in general, give that game a, a try because surprisingly the story is pretty cool you know especially if you want to get um knowledge of who the banished are who's the main uh protagonist group in halo infinite um play play halo wars 2 and learn about it play the expansion i think it was shadows awakening i can't remember the name of the expansion but play the expansion because it's good and all of it leads up to events that happen before Halo Infinite. So it is a, a must-play game if you're a Halo fan. If you're an RTS fan in general, it is a super solid RTS game that, in my opinion, is one of the best RTS versions on console. I mean, it's, it plays well. It plays really well on console. And if you're a PC gamer, it is equally great on PC. That's another benefit of Game Pass, guys. You have options on these things. You know, you're not stuck on one platform. You can hop between them and keep your progress. And if you get bored there, you can grab your controller and go play on your phone. Crazy. That's 2020. That's 2021, 2022. It's going to keep growing. Um, play Halo Wars 2. It, it is such an amazing game. And I feel like if it had more uh, talk and respect and from people, um, and maybe it had sold better, more people play it, maybe we'll get a Halo Wars 3. Something I know I'd like to see. So come back next week. We're going to talk about more fun stuff gripe about more stuff talk about more games coming out uh tell me you know what games you're looking forward to the most you know leave a comment um subscribe to my youtube channel uh follow me on twitter fun speculation youtube fun speculation and uh, i will see you guys next week thanks for tuning in bye